My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Squanderlust, a podcast about the emotional side of money, why our actions aren't always as good as our intentions, and what, if anything, we can do about it. I'm Martha Lawton. And I'm Alex Lemon. And we're your hosts. Today on Squanderlust, we are very excited to have a special guest. With us is Sharon Jaswal from MyBank. Hi, Martha. Hi, Alex. Good to be here. It's good to have you. Hello. Last autumn, I went to the Talk Money conference and I got chatting with a team at my bank, which is a youth financial education charity. And I was super impressed by the approach they're taking with their Money Twist program and the way they're focusing on building good money habits from a young age and reaching out beyond the classroom to help parents get better with money too. So Sharon is the former director of education and current MyBank ambassador. And we're going to talk about the Money Twist program and the things that we can learn about the ideas behind it. So tell us a bit about MyBank, first of all. Great. So uh, MyBank is a youth education charity and we work with young people aged 7 to 25. So right up until young adulthood and we talk all about money. So we go into schools, colleges, youth groups, youth organisations, leaving care teams, prisons, lots and lots of different settings. And we've created a number of different programmes aimed at different audiences. And it's all about getting them talking about money, getting them learning money and also raising their confidence. So as they get older, they can engage with it positively and as you said set good habits and hopefully do better than a lot of us adults have done and are doing (laughs) yeah I think one of the things that people say to me when I say that I do financial education or financial training or help people to understand money whatever there's always this sort of knee-jerk reaction of oh we need to put this in schools we need to teach the young people and I think that's It's very true, but it is also true, as you say, that it needs to go beyond just schools. It needs to be much broader than that as well. But obviously, I think the 
the majority of your work is in schools. It certainly seems like that's where you started out. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. We started about 11, 12 years ago. Um, and the first thing we did was actually set up um, small interest-free banks run by young people for young people in schools. Ah. Um, so a lot of our work started in schools. But over the years, we've also developed a suite of programs for vulnerable young adults as well. So the majority of young people we reach are in schools. And yeah, we think that obviously education is key to combating these kind of problems. However, it is hard. So my bank were part of um, a group of organisations that sort of campaigned to get financial education into the curriculum, yep. which we succeeded in. So it is now part of the curriculum in citizenship at Key Stage 4, which is wonderful. However then you need to have a whole load of teachers who are trained, qualified and confident to deliver this stuff in schools. And actually, the Money Advice Service found that 88% of money lessons were delivered by teaching staff who don't have specific training or qualifications. As we know, the teachers in this country do an amazing job in often sort of overstretched, under-resourced schools. So often it might be a drama teacher or a math teacher who've, who's had sort of financial education sort of dumped onto their plate um, they mm. very quickly have to deliver lessons around it additionally the financial education aspect of the curriculum isn't actually tested at GCSE level so when it's not forming part of the exam mm. questions it sometimes might not be mm. prioritized as something to really invest a lot of time in so there is a challenge um, of low level teacher sort of training um, and often confidence if adults aren't confident talking about money whether it's teachers or parents which I'm sure we'll talk about then how can that best translate to young people and um, when they're receiving these lessons how do you get beyond the hard skills side of it and get young people actually to get into the right frame of mind to put this stuff in practice in their real lives yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think there's a lot of bits to it. I think hard skills and numeracy skills are just one aspect of being a fully financially capable person, I guess. Another aspect is actually the confidence and the financial knowledge. So you might be able to calculate interest, but actually you're not understanding what high cost credit is, why you might use it um, and how it might be advertised or anything. So you need that financial knowledge. You need the numeracy around it. Um, you you need access as well. So actually to be engaged in the financial system and also from a young age as well. Mm. So if you haven't been given pocket money, if you're not fully involved in the discussions that your parents might have um, around setting a household budget or credit cards or whatever, then actually you're sort of cut off from that. And also a big aspect of it that we sort of, we work with all of those um, sides of it is sort of habits and behaviours um, mm. and also attitudes. So, you know, a lot of research has shown that habits and attitudes are set quite young yeah. uh, in life. So actually, if you're looking at sort of between the ages of 7 and 11, which they say sort of a lot of your habits for life have been already formed by, um, <laughs> it's really scary. Oh, God, it's all over. It's, it's been over for 25 years. <laughs> then if you haven't been talking to young people about money or, you know, thinking about their habits that they're developing, then that can actually set them back as they step into adulthood. So what what's your background that you've come to here? Like why, how come it's, you know, has your perspective been shaped this way and seeing as it's so important? 
I um, joined my bank about 11 years ago, right at the beginning when it was just an idea, along with the founder, Lily LaPena. And basically, I had been a really sort of straight A student, went to a really good university, studied economics because my dad told me to, um, not because I really wanted to. So I graduated and, you know, working in the city was just really not what inspired me at all. So I started teaching, I started working in a couple of startups. But essentially what happened to me is... um, I went to university and got into a lot of debt. Mm. Um, when I say a lot of debt, I'm talking about sort of, you know, 20, 25,000 pounds, and that's sort of excluding the student loan. Mm. Um, so that's purely sort of overdrafts, credit cards. And this was back in the day, and without sounding too old, before the credit crunch, when actually, you know, credit card companies and banks mm. used to go, especially to sort of the good universities, mm. yeah. um, and want to recruit customers that they were hoping would stay with them for life. So, you know, there I was with no job and I had a credit card just practically handed to me with £750 limits and I had all of this money dumped into my account from student loan and you know it was thousands it was more money than I'd ever seen before and also an interest-free overdraft so I did a lot of spending I tell this story to um, my young people quite a lot I sort of spent on stuff for my new room like clothes it was like big city bright lights I'd come from the Midlands the first time in London all of this freedom with this money London and you know my parents not around to tell me what time to come home Mm. so you know not understanding the night bus system getting lots of taxis and actually I was surrounded by a lot of people who had a lot more money than me so there was an element of sort of keeping up with that and I had spent a lot of money and then my rent bill came and I think I'd spent I think I had about 900 pounds left in my account from my student loan after about a month and I think the student loan was about 1500 pounds And my rent bill was 1,100. So I was in overdraft before classes had even started. So I was sort of, I started on the back foot in term one of year one. And then the rest of my time at university was just trying to play catch up, opening up multiple accounts, getting credit cards. So I actually got into a lot of debt. And when I left uni, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And that debt sort of spiraled. And then I was kind of more on my own. My friends went off and got these wonderful sort of graduate jobs. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I couldn't afford to pay my rent. I ended up living in a hostel and supported housing Mm. and actually I had a really really crappy year Um, and your financial well-being is intrinsically linked to your social well-being Mm. so I stopped hanging out with a lot of my friends because I was broken embarrassed about where I lived Mm. your physical well-being you know you're not eating well and also your emotional well-being I was super stressed getting really low and it really set me back a couple of years and I guess when I met Lily I was sort of coming out of that because I had an idea of that I wanted to work with young people and I was volunteering and interning a lot but not earning a lot I was on benefits and actually this was sort of you know tying some of my passions of like working with young people but actually with a cause that was really important to me because I'm like well if I was studying economics and I could get it wrong Mm -hmm. what about people that weren't so fortunate (laughs) so the whole basis of the podcast exactly (laughs) what we're doing here I I studied economics and I'm an ex-chartered accountant oh wow obviously I made this podcast Martha could still bit bad at money. Yeah. Yeah. Ex-financial advisor. Have been doing financial education with people of every age (laughs) for a really long time Mm. and I still don't always get it right. So, you know, it's absolutely essential to to what we believe here Mm -hmm. on Skondalust that there's knowing and then there's doing. Mm. Totally. And 
you have to marry up the right bits of both of those mm-hmm. to actually get to yeah. where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it is, like you say, it is sort of a lifelong process. So you can't sort of sit on your laurels and then think, oh, I made a budget last year and yeah. you know, yeah. this year I don't need to. It's something you constantly have to do and also keep up with the changing you know, environment. But what's so important that we believe is that if you have a strong foundation from childhood, from your education, stepping into adulthood, then it just sets you up in better stead I guess yeah I, I, actually one of the things that makes me feel a bit better from talking to you just now I was nodding along with everything you were saying about being a student and having money kind of having debt thrown at you I don't want to say having money thrown yeah. at you because it's not money it's debt thrown mm-hmm. at you the mistake I didn't make as a student was starting to use the credit card that was given to me with my account mm. I got into my overdraft I used my student loan on absolute nonsense <laughs> I borrowed way more student loan than I needed and I mm. and I you know I did use up a lot of overdraft and extend that overdraft and, and so on and if occasionally if the bank of mom and dad hadn't stepped in and I'm very understand I'm very privileged very fortunate mm. to have had my parents be able to support me in that way I would have ended up in in real real trouble at mm. that point but I did at least have a bit of me because my parents did did teach me some things about money, there was a bit of me that said, don't touch that credit card. That way is bad. Mm-mm-mm. But if I hadn't had that that foundation, yeah, I absolutely would have been in huge amounts of trouble. I would have been in a lot of very well-dressed trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like me. <laughs> well-dressed at the best parties, but actually <laughs> not really reflective of um, the life I was actually living. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's kind of setting up that good foundation, and that comes from your education, but also really importantly from your family and your background. And I think that in this day and age in the UK, we have a wonderfully diverse community that lives across the country, lots of different ethnicities and backgrounds. Then actually that brings sort of lots of cultures and Mm -hmm. beliefs around money and they're all really different so when we're working in schools we've got lots of different young people that we're working with and they're all sort of been exposed and told different things around money so I know in my household I'm Indian Punjabi my parents basically it's a bit of a cliche. Yes, it was all about education, education, education. <laughs> so I wasn't encouraged to get a job because I should focus on my schoolwork. Uh-huh. So that meant that I didn't really develop that work ethic or understand that you had to work for your money, which is a really important thing. Also, I wasn't given pocket money. I didn't really have that independence. So um, I had to ask my parents for everything. I didn't. I wasn't independent having an amount of money that I could manage. I could choose to save this much. I could save up for this. I could spend on this. Um, once you have that exposure, it just it automatically starts developing your money management skills and my parents absolutely did not believe in credit but so much so they didn't even talk about it so when I was gifted credit in the form of an overdraft Mm. to begin with um, I had no idea um, how to manage it and then when I was in trouble I was less likely to tell them that go to them a for advice or just even tell them that what you know bad situation their daughter had gotten herself into and you know there's a lot of uh, young people who might be sort of you know their first generation that's gone to university so I know I was the first so my dad had no idea how much university was so his allowance to me was 50 pounds a month that's going to get really far in London um, and that's it and then he said well I'm going to give you 50 pounds a month and I had to beg for that as well Uh because he was like well you're getting a student loan so that 
obviously will cover all of the costs that you will have. So there's no experience of that from previous children or, you know, cousins or anything. So the family that you grow up in does have a big impact on on that as well. I wonder whether there are also uh, families where it's the other way around, where there's an understanding that going to university and being a student is extremely expensive. Mm. And there's a fear of student loans that puts some very bright young people off attending very, university very true. Yeah, as well. we do. Yeah, we do a programme called Unidosh. And actually, since the recent sort of student loan debates and rises and it being in the news a lot, the amount of young people that come to us and say, well, actually, I don't want to go to university because it's too expensive. I'm just going to get into debt. The government's going to rip us off. There's all of these views that are sometimes our own, but often that have been passed down from their families, that they're just terrified of even attempting to do that. And they're, they're holding themselves back. So we really take time breaking down exactly how the student loan is structured. And we never tell them what to do. And it's about them making an informed decision. But actually, if we don't do that, they've just got one side of the story and they can't make that decision for themselves. And often what they do is take that information back to their families and then they make a better decision for them. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com tapiphone. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Another aspect of us doing this podcast is that we, we're trying not to label ourselves, but we are sort of labeling ourselves as I'm a bit <laughs> of an underspender and Martha's a bit of an overspender in some ways. In some ways. Uh, okay. Um, which kind of fits in with that. Like, I wouldn't people, have guessed. People, <laughs> people, the people who go kind of crazy with the university money and then, you know, that group of people who are afraid to go near that thing because, yes. you know, it, they're just afraid to, put, you know, potentially put that much money into anything mm. that they don't know what the outcome would be. And, you know, that kind of... You know, we, we did an episode in our, in our first season about values and valuing money and, you know, what are your values around money? What do you want to get from your life that, 
is worth spending money on. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that definitely is reflective of that, that they would be holding themselves back from doing something that could be very worthwhile for them, you know, if there's the right information on the table about that, because of the fear of spending that money and what that big number looks like. Yeah, definitely. It's really important to be able to offer sort of impartial and independent information, um, contextualising it, the world they're living in, but also relevant to where they are in their lives right now. So a lot of information, if they go on the internet, it might just be like quite over their head. It's not aimed at young Mm. people, but actually when it's delivered from someone who's talking about their own experiences of money, talking about their mistakes as well as what went right. And I think that's one of the unique things that my bank do is that actually we we bring ourselves to the table when we're working with young people. And that's something new. Um, even from, you know, when you say, don't call me miss, call me by my first name, Sharan, they're just like, oh, we're not used to calling adults by their first name. And then we start talking about our childhoods or our first job. And even their teachers, they kind of see them as these people who don't really live real lives because they're yeah. just Mrs. Mm. So-and-so. And she tells us what to do. And obviously, you know, she might be lovely, but um, we don't know much about her, like, does she have kids and what's her life like and what was her first job so once you bring that into a classroom they see you as as someone that's human and and they can just sort of they will be more likely to sort of take your advice because they can see that journey and it's really nice because it encourages teachers to do the same as well so often we will say so miss what was your first job or you know what do you think about the minimum wage and it just encourages conversations that might not automatically happen in Mm. in schools and that Mm. breaks down barriers Mm. and talking about money is sort of the first thing that you need to do um, to sort of develop. Mm. Because even you know thinking about adults and people that would be listening to this there is you know that that thing of finding someone to talk to about your money is really hard because it you know it can be quite shaming you can feel quite guilty you're a bit embarrassed do I want to divulge all the stuff but also the other side of that being you know what if I tell this all to someone who just doesn't get it you Mm, know and do you need to feel like there is the person that you're talking to about this stuff kind of gets it in some ways and your level in some way has some experience of what you're going through. I think that's one of the most important aspects of being able to have these conversations properly is like, feeling like the other person will understand. Yeah, totally. And, you know, when we recruit our trainers... They're all wonderful. The first thing we ask isn't is how good is your financial knowledge, is actually what is your experience of working with young people, being able to engage them, being able to be relevant. So all of our trainers, you know, they're a big sort of wide age range, but they're all very youthful at heart. (laughs) They're sort of connected to youth culture. That's something that we ask about in our interviews. We get young people into our interviews and get them to feedback on whether they felt connected to the trainer. Mm, And actually the most important thing is for them to have had that experience of of being able to engage young people rather than financial knowledge. I think financial knowledge you can teach. That engagement is a little bit harder. So often, you know, a large majority of our teachers, I think it's over 60% said that they found that our trainers were more effective than maybe bank volunteers who come in as experts from the bank, but mm. actually they haven't necessarily stepped into a classroom and it's been mm. a long, long time since they've stepped <laughs> yeah. into a school. Yeah. Not to say that volunteers, you know, don't bring something very special to schools as well. And we do work with, with volunteers who help to bring a different aspect to it. Which would bring us to what sort of impacts you see from the things that you do, what effects... 
Yeah, you see in so the young people? We've recently done a lot of independent evaluation stuff with the Money Advice Service, who've independently assessed a lot of our programs from primary schools right up until um, our work with young adults as well. So they assessed four or five of our programs. And I know that you guys sort of were particularly interested in um, the primary school work. Oh, and it's found that actually it, it does make a real impact on their lives and on their financial capabilities. So with primary schools, one of the things that we look at, because habits are formed quite young, is their ability to defer gratification. So mm. obviously we live in sort of a I want it now mm. culture. That's not just young people. So that was one of the key things that we were looking at. And almost 70% of young people who wouldn't delay gratification before our programs um, now would afterwards. And we did it through a really fun little experiment where they were sort of, they could be given sort of, it was like an emoji station reset. Okay. So we're luring it in front of them um, saying okay, you can have the pencil now <laughs> or you can have the whole set which has got the notebook and the rubber and everything or you can wait or you can have like you know more things a bit later down the line and mm. a lot of children just wanted it now and then you know if their friend said yes I want it now then maybe they didn't initially put their hand up but then they were like oh yes no I want it now and then sort of after the program we repeated the experiment um, and they made very different choices so that was a really mm. powerful sort of result that we we got out of the program other sort of impact results 87% of teachers said that pupils understood the impacts of that financial decisions have consequences which is really important if we're yeah. thinking about sort of you know seven to ten year olds mm. understanding that a decision you make now mm. might have consequences for the future mm. And 90% of teachers said that pupils understood that there are costs of living and money doesn't just come out of, you know, nowhere. And actually just yep. to live in their homes, to mm. use electricity, all of that, there, there are costs of living. And another stat that I love is that 70% of our students actually set personal saving goals that they started sort of working towards as a result of our program. Mm. So we do do short sharp interventions and we're not saying that we can change the world in that time we're very aware that we, we can't but actually they they do have sort of a strong impact and immediate results and we're always throughout our programs whether it's a to a seven-year-old or a 17-year-old we're always trying to encourage them to set actions that they can implement immediately so when I leave today this is what I can do this is what I will do this is what I'm going to aim towards so it's not sort of airy-fairy knowledge like when you turn 18 you can get a credit card you know we talk about credit cards but we don't sort of leave it hanging as something in the future we're talking about money is in your life now um, whether you get pocket money or not there are certain things that you can do that can improve your financial capability probably don't use that term financial capability <laughs> <laughs> because that wouldn't be making us relevant but there are things that you can do now to be more in control and yeah so cool and um, part of the reason I wanted to talk to you about the primary age children is because that's one of your programs that goes beyond the classroom and out into the wider family and you have included with Money Twist, which is your seven and eight year old stuff. So, yeah. You're doing the family pack now. So you've got an activity pack for parents to yes. do with the children. Tell us a bit about that. 
Oh, it's so fun. Um, <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, Money Twist is a program that we do from Key Stage 2, which is uh, junior school right up until GCSE level. So our primary version, which works with 7 to 11-year-olds okay. in primary school, comes with a family pack, as you said, that goes home to their, the parents. So they, the parents get a little booklet and a letter explaining it, and it's basically full of lots of activities that are linked to the things that we've been talking about in the classroom. So so they're sort of short activities, maybe like five minutes, anything from five minutes up until sort of half an hour. And it's about them implementing their learning in a real world, real family context. So it might be getting your parents to find a cheaper alternative at a supermarket or actually handing them the money and then counting them as change and sort of getting your parents to sort of take cash to the supermarket rather than just tapping. Often, you know, young people don't really understand where money comes from because it's just tapping or it just comes Mm. out of a wall, you know. And we created a really fun um, My Bank Manga series. (laughs) So we've got six comic books that form part of the um, family pack as well. And it's telling the story of an astronaut who's returned from space and the community you want to throw her a big party but they've obviously got a budget for it and sort of planned this big party so it's in six parts and that's one of the things that they actually really enjoy the most with the family pack so it's lots of activities some of them are involving their parents so we get the parents to write a letter to their younger self about what they would advise them and we get the children to write a letter to their older self about what they hope that they've achieved and the habits that they'll be learning (laughs) and you know then there's like some fun stuff just to catch their attention like where's wallet so it's kind of like you've got to find the wallet in it so it's a mix of sort of really deep sort of thinking activities um, to practical ones to fun ones all based around money and it's in a colourful folder we're actually been testing the putting it online so we've created a version um, for the phone um, and this year we'll be um, developing that and testing that to see what mm. impact that has compared to a physical version because at the moment it's very colorful it's in a fun little a5 mm-hmm. folder so yeah we'll we'll be comparing that this year so really excited to see what that brings up will that be accessible if people want to have a look at that online version who haven't done the program not at the moment so we were considering sort of having the family pack available to parents generally however it does at the moment we link it quite intrinsically Mm. um, to the curriculum that we're doing in schools and also matching things that we leave with the teachers so the teachers also get a teacher pack lots of curriculum linked activities that they can follow up so it's all part of a wider package but if this year's research shows that actually it's amazingly effective um, then obviously that's something that we we could consider yeah Mm. yeah it's like can't grown ups have this stuff <laughs> I know, right? I'm, I'm just thinking. You want even... to play Where's Wallet, don't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> you knew. You knew. <laughs> I'm loving this. I mean, even just thinking about some of those activities, those are things that if we've got parents listening of small children, they can do some of those activities with their children and they'll get some benefit from it, even if they haven't had the, mm-hmm. the learning. So I think that, that's really fantastic. Do you have any other tips for people who are raising children who want to start teaching them um, about money and forming good money habits? Yeah, I mean, I've mentioned some of them. I think one of the biggest things is 
talk to your kids about money. Have those conversations. Don't make it a taboo mm. in the household. Consider maybe giving them small amounts of pocket money. Um, if they do have pocket money, it gives them the freedom to sort of make choices around it. If you don't have the ability to make choices, then actually how can you improve your choices in the future? Trying to instill a work ethic as well. So, you know, a lot of parents choose to link pocket money with chores and the reward so you know you work hard mm -hmm. doing this and there'll be a reward at the end of it you might have to wait a little while but you've actually worked for that money and then you know seeing what the difference is when you work for some money rather than mm -hmm. just getting it on your birthday involving them in household decisions you know we're, we're changing our energy provider I mean we've got I've just had a smart meter installed so I've got like this little display at home and it's got a flame that grows bigger when I'm sort of using too much gas and the light that goes sort of green, amber, red when I'm using too much electricity. And I was thinking, that's just so amazing to have that around the house. And using that to explain, look, this is how much heat we're using. Um, this is how much electricity we're using. Actually, we've got to switch off the TV, not just on standby, but we've got to switch it off from the mains because otherwise that's going to go up. And it tells me exactly how much money I'm spending. So there's lots of things that you can do around the house with your children to really just bring it to life at home. And I suppose, you know, I don't have kids and I never brought any up but like the you know just talking about that you can see that the starting point for that is a lot of things that the grown-ups there will have to confront themselves you know like yeah. looking at your electricity meter going up as you looking at I'm spending mm -hmm. more money like right now because I put yeah. the kettle on and thinking about these things so yeah it's great ways to kind of get children thinking about those things but there may be a layer of work for people for the grown-up to go through themselves to get because you know you haven't had that basis to start from of it being not this drudgery you know it's it's mm -mm. more like a, oh this is interesting this is fun yeah like, yeah yeah making it fun mm. and it isn't fun for a lot of adults yeah, you know? uh, <laughs> yeah. Let, let's be real <laughs> um, we don't all have like comic books that we can look yeah. at yeah. Um, to, to to make it more exciting but you know I think one of the most effective things is really budgeting with your young people so you know whether you're planning like their birthday party saying actually this is how much money we've got do you really want decorations or do you want the big cake? And actually getting them to prioritise. Mm. But budgeting, I guess, is one of the bigger things that parents might find harder. Mm. Whereas there are those smaller everyday things that whether it is getting them to help count change or, you know, help shopping in the supermarket. So there's sort of layers of how deep you can go with it. But once you start, there's just, you know, when we were putting that together the family pack, I think we came up with almost 100 ideas. So we've got wow. so many that were parked because once you start thinking about it, you can introduce mm. it in so many different ways. As an adult who has fixed her finances herself, <laughs> as an adult, as somebody who didn't grow those habits, what do you have any tips for somebody who needs to grow their habits as an adult and get better as an adult, which is, you know, what we talk about all the time, that process yeah, of yeah. being an adult who didn't necessarily develop all the habits that they wanted to. Yeah. Do you have any tips for, for getting better as an adult and maybe making it less of a drudge if you can? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think it's it is sometimes harder to instill habits as an adult. So we all know that you know if you start trying to like go to the gym or whatever, it really does take a while. But they say it takes sort of twenty one days to make or break a habit. So if you do something repeatedly for twenty one days, your brain chemistry slightly changes. So it's easier on the twenty second day. And if you keep doing it for three months, then actually you're more likely to continue doing it afterwards. But these days we have a lot of support around us in terms of information at our fingertips and lots of apps and things that can mm -hmm. really help. So the most important thing that anyone can do at any age is budget. If you spend 
20 minutes a month budgeting, on average, you'll save over £1,000 a year. And that is, you know, that that's sort of proven that actually wow. if you just keep track of your money and renew it on a monthly basis, so it's not something you do once a year, yeah. you will save money. So that's the biggest piece of advice is just always keep going back to your budget. And if you have got a way to do it easily so either an excel spreadsheet or a table even you know on a piece of paper that works and you keep going back to it or you have all these apps so you know you can have apps which allow you to set savings goals and they allow you to build your own vision board and which starts going from blurry to clearer the more that you're saving your money mm-hmm. and aiming towards it that give you reminders or you can automatically deduct money into your savings pot so using some of those things around you if, if you're that way inclined and also just not being scared to sort of speak up when things go wrong there are so many amazing sort of organizations out there that can help if things go wrong that you can nip things in the bud rather than letting them fester which is one of the things that I did all those years ago which I really didn't need to do excellent and finally for those people who want to learn more about what you do and and any UK listeners who might want my bank at their school or youth organization how can they get in touch with you yeah, so we have a website. The website is spelt M-Y-B-N-K. So it's www.mybank.org. So our young people always like, why is it my bunk? My bunk. <laughs> um, and actually it was young people that named us and they wanted it to be sort of text language. Yeah. Um, so that's why. But it's without the A. If you go onto our website, you can see the suite of programs. There's sort of a register your interest kind of thing. And we can get back to you and hopefully work with some of the young people in your lives. Excellent. Sharon, it's been fantastic talking with you. Um, Really interesting. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to Squanderlust, a podcast about the emotional side of money. Your hosts were Martha Lawton and Alex Lemon. You can find us online at squanderlustpod.com, where we'll put links to show notes, books and articles we mention, and other interesting things. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or you have a story to tell about something you've heard here, get in touch through the website. If you enjoyed Squanderlust, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and rate us too. The more stars you give, the happier we get. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Squanderlust is sponsored by Wardour Studios in Fitzrovia, London, with production by David Smith, Charlie Brandon King and Alicia Cunningham. Our theme music is by Wardour Studios and graphic design by Jason Reed. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamline my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe 
ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.